So we're going to study First uh, Thessalonians chapter two today. It's a lot, so um, let's pray and get dive in. Lord, um, this morning we come before you, and each of us in this room has um, different things that we're going through, and the um, just the battles to even sometimes get here in the morning. Lord, but we want to set aside this time to be in your presence, Lord, to bask in all that you are, Lord. And we want to hear from you, Lord. We, we want to take the words that your spirit is speaking to us and just let them not just be on the surface, God, but that they would really penetrate into our hearts and that the words that you speak to us today, God, that they would change us, they would challenge us, Lord. And um, we really wouldn't be the same, that we would allow you, allow your spirit to meet us where we're at, but not keep us there, to change us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I feel like I'm really, really loud. Um, so I'm just, I just want to read First um, Thessalonians 2. From uh, verse 1, and we'll go all the way down to verse 12 right now. And I'm going to read fast. (laughs) For for you yourselves know, brethren or sisters, that our coming to you was not in vain. For even after we suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is our witness." Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. What beautiful words from Paul. And I think that, um, you know, if you were here in the fall, we were studying also um, in Titus, and we got to know Paul. We learned from him. We were challenged by him in that book um, to seek uh, the Lord, to seek to imitate Paul as he imitated Christ. And here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we once again, we're getting a picture of Paul and we're getting a picture of his life. And not just his life, but how did he live his life? How was his behavior, his ministry in action, his conduct and his motives for being in the ministry and his diligence to teach the pure word of God without compromise. He did it in both word and in deed. Paul begins with um, 
You yourselves know, brother. And what did they know? They know that Paul and Silas were in Philippi and that they were beaten. They were arrested and they were thrown into prison in Philippi. Yet they had boldness to come to Thessaloniki and to speak the truth of the word to them, to preach the gospel to them. This is what first caught my attention when I was reading these verses, that ministry, following Jesus, being a disciple, serving him, it's not always a cakewalk. You know, um, sometimes we think that, oh yeah, we're just going to go and serve the Lord, or or we get brave and we hear the um, Holy Spirit tug at our heart to sign up to volunteer to do something like the hospitality table or something like that, right? And then all of a sudden, like, battles start coming. And it doesn't have to be a battle of just standing here and teaching the word. It can be a a hospitality table, and I'm not trying to, I shouldn't really say this to shy you away from volunteering, but, you know, all of a sudden the mornings are going to be really hard for you to get up um, and to be here at 8.30 or to do something, you know, to volunteer to disciple somebody or to come alongside and faithfully pray with somebody once a week or something like that. There's battles, because this is what the Lord wants us to do. We, we want to serve him. And by serving him, we want to serve others. So it's not going to always be easy. Ministry and standing up for the truth, uh, serving Jesus, there's opposition. But we shouldn't be surprised. I don't, you know, for as long as I've been a Christian, when opposition comes my way, I'm still like shaken by it. Like, Really? But I should know that that is going to happen because when we step out in boldness in the Lord, opposition is going to come our way. But we're not alone. Um, In Hebrews 12.3, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Why? So that you don't grow weary and give up. In John 16.33, Jesus said, if the world hates you, Know that it hated me first. We're not um, the first people that are going to face opposition when we step out to serve the Lord or to preach his word or to share his word with other people. There's a tendency when these things happen, when we come um, up against battles, when we come up against opposition, to just shy away and not to volunteer anymore, to stop talking about Jesus to family members or co-workers or to other friends, because we want to avoid confrontation. Most of us don't like, you know, if, if, if we're stepping out and, and maybe we're shy or something like that, and then we take that step, and then all of a sudden we're met with anger and we're met with um, words from people that aren't very nice, then we might want to avoid it. And so our tendency can be to step back rather than, like Paul was saying, to have that boldness, boldness in the Lord. And I think that now, you know, we're living in like really crazy, crazy times. And probably if you go back since you became a Christian and you listen to different teachings, everybody says the same thing. You know, the times we're living in, they're really perilous and crazy. But really look around us. You know, we're really living in those times in Isaiah where, um, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. These are the things that we're facing in our lives right now. And it's not really going to get any easier. You know, it'd be easy for me to stand up here and say, oh, well, you know, 
Things are going to get better. Sometimes they don't get better. And we see that in God's word where um, men and women served him. And they went through perilous times. They went through hardships. But like Paul, we don't quit. We don't want to be quitters in what God is calling us to do. We don't want to stop doing it because people might hate the message that we have. We're the messengers, And I think it's good for us to remember that we're the messengers. And so they're going to come against us, but in actuality, they're really coming against the word of the Lord. We, like Paul, need to press on in the ministry that God's called us to, in whatever capacity that is that he's called us to, not to quit. But we can do it, as Paul did, with boldness. Because the boldness isn't about our determination. It's not about our strength and what we have to offer or what what we can do. But we're bold in the Lord. We're bold in the power of the Lord. We're bold in what he is leading us to do and what to say. We're bold in his plan and in his purpose, yielding our lives to the Holy Spirit like Paul did. And when we do that, when we yield ourselves and we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to step out, but I don't have it in me to do it. I'm going to trust in you that you who called me is faithful and you will also do it then we can have boldness because we know that we're walking. We know that we're speaking. We're no, we know that we're present in the will of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's interesting, too, to notice that Paul's appeal was not to these Judaizers. He did not appeal and address those who were stirring up trouble. He didn't address and confront those um, who were coming against him and lying about him. And... Sometimes that's our tendency. Sometimes our tendency is to go to the people that are saying all the bad things about us and just fight and argue with them. And what what does that do? You know, it really doesn't um, bring us further with the Lord. And we're just trying to win. Because sometimes when I'm arguing with people, I'm not, I don't end up arguing with them to um, bring glory to God, I end up arguing with them so that they can see my point and that by the end of the argument, they'll start thinking the way I think and God is left out of the whole situation. And there were times, you know, there were times that we read in the, in the, um, in the word that Paul did confront the leaders, but this time he went right to the people. He went to the people that he had witnessed um, to. He went to the people that he had shared the word with and, and talked with them. He reminds them, the Thessalonians, that he has been entrusted with the word of God, with the gospel. And you and I, we have that privilege too that um, we need to take hold of, that we have been entrusted with these words. God, the Holy Spirit, has entrusted us with his word that we might take it, not just for ourselves and not just to take it all in, but like we sang in that song, to tell the world about it, to share these words with the people. And Paul didn't come to the Thessalonians with flattery. He didn't try to, you know, get them to um, believe what he was saying with words that were just going to flatter them and and appeal to them. No, he relied on the Holy Spirit, and he relied on the Lord. And that's what we need to do, too. It's not us. It is our voice. 
But when we are yielded and we're asking the Lord for his words to speak, then we have to trust that. Paul didn't give them his philosophical viewpoints. He didn't give them a whole list of why they should believe in this political party or that political party. Let the Lord do that. Let the word of God do that. I think that um, we've talked about it before, but it's an argumentative world. You know, we just pick fights and and before we know it, we lose our witness because we're no longer sharing God's word. We're sharing our thoughts and our views. And there is a time for that, but we have to know. We have to really be in tune with the Holy Spirit to know when we're to speak, what we're to speak. Paul didn't rely on his own words because man's words fail, but God's words never will fail. He didn't make false promises to them and say, hey, if you believe what I'm saying to you, all of a sudden your lives are going to turn around and they're going to be wonderful. How many people say that? You know, I've heard teachings throughout the years where, um, you know, people just want to get a nice picture of people raising their hand to get saved for a newspaper or for a magazine or something, but they're giving them false words. They're giving them false hope. That's not what Paul did. Paul never tried to say, hey, if you believe in Jesus Christ, your, your life is all of a sudden going to be easy. He never promised anything like that. It's not going to be free of troubles. He didn't seek their money. How many people, you know, we see on the TV or something like that, and it's just awful. You know, it's just awful, and that's not what Paul did. He wasn't about um, sharing the word of God for monetary gain. Back in the fall, when we studied Titus 2, Paul was teaching on leadership. He was teaching on leadership in the church and, um, and the qualities that leaders should have, the qualities just all of us as Christians should have, have daughters of the king, the most high God, having integrity and Christ-like living in our lives. And here we see in this book, in this chapter, we get to see that Paul didn't just speak those words um, at a conference for leaders. He spoke those words and he lived it out. He lived out everything that he was teaching to others. His life was one that desired to please God. That's how Paul lived his life. He wasn't worried about what others thought about him or even if they spoke well of him. And I don't know very many of us women or probably even men that enjoy it if people don't speak well of us. You know, we, I think we have a tendency to want to be liked, to be appreciated. But that, you know, Paul, I think because he was so yielded to the Lord, he just counted his life as nothing. You know, he said, for me to live is Christ. And shouldn't that be our prayer? It's not easy. But if we can just, throughout our day, just surrender and just say, Lord, for me to live is Christ. Live through me. Live in me. Paul didn't really care if people spoke well about him. That wasn't what it was all about. When we choose to live our lives consecrated and set apart for the Lord when we're yielded to his will, when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, then we too can learn to be about our Father's business and not to put much stock in what other people might have to say or think about us. Paul goes on and he uses the example of a mother and a father and the caring and love that they each have. 
A nurturing mother, he says, a nurturing mother just doesn't give instructions to the child and leave them to figure it out for themselves. She's not going to leave a bottle um, for her infant on the table and, and hope that the infant knows how to get to it and get nourished. No, excuse me, this mother is going to come alongside of their children and nurture them (laughs) and make them feel comfortable. The mother is going to give of herself, her time, her love, her guidance, her instruction, and yes, even her energy. (laughs) She's going to watch over them so that no harm will come to her child. She's going to feed her child that which nourishes them and will help them to grow, to be healthy. And Paul tells the Thessalonians about his love for them and that it wasn't just about him sharing the gospel, but also sharing himself with them. His very life he shared with them. He didn't just share Christ and then walk out a back door. He was with them. He gave of himself. Jesus is our perfect example of giving of himself. He taught the word. He preached the message of salvation. He talked about eternity. He warned of people going to hell. He spoke the truth to people. But he didn't just speak. Jesus walked alongside of the people. Jesus sat with the people. Jesus touched them. He ate with them. He walked with them. He was approachable, and he was inviting. And I think this is really what the Lord put on my heart about um, this study, is about um, being those people in one another's lives, spending time with one another. It takes time and effort, just like a mother. It takes energy and patience a lot of times. And I'm happy. You know, I'm very glad that um, we've evolved in this world and in technology and that we have um, all these ways that we can stay connected with one another we, very easily. But an emoji and a little like on Facebook will never, ever take the place of human contact. Never. Being face-to-face with one another. And I learned this during the COVID when I, we were in Italy. And um, I was thankful for the internet. I was thankful for FaceTime. I was thankful for Facebook and all those things that keep us in touch. But from March... Until the end of May, we were under such strict lockdown. We couldn't go out unless I hadn't signed a declaration. We couldn't talk to our neighbors. You know, we had terrace, and so we could scream across the way. But we weren't allowed to go out to, see, um, to be around one another and to go and have coffee together. That's how we live life, like almost every day. I would go and meet with friends, and we would have coffee together. And that was stripped away, and I longed for human contact. My husband had already moved back to California um, on the last plane out (laughs) from Italy. And um, it was hard. It was really hard, and it really uh, did a number in, in my heart, in my emotions. And I longed to uh, have somebody hug me. To have somebody touch me. And I long to be able to do that with somebody else, to sit together with them. And it just impressed so much upon me the need that we have to stay connected to one another. 
I know that we're all busy. We do have responsibilities, and we can't shy away from our responsibilities. But I wondered if we just get so accustomed to social media and texts, and we allow those things to take the place of human contact, contact. Society tends to script our behavior and replace coming alongside of one another to just sitting comfortably on our couches, on our rocking chairs, and clicking alike rather than calling one another, rather than taking that time to have a coffee with one another. Really being there for one another. Sitting beside a sister who's going through a really hard time. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying don't text. I'm not saying don't make a nice little comment on somebody's Facebook. But we're losing it, I think, as a society. I think that we need to get back to that one anotherness, if that's a word. You know, we need to, we're, we're going to be going through some heavy things. And I know women in this room, you're probably going through some heavy things. We need to stop being so busy. We need to stop being so busy in the ministry that we forget that we're here to minister to one another also. We get so caught up in planning and scheduling and this and that. And those things, they're necessary. But don't let them take the place of coming alongside of one another. To be present to be available for one another. Sorry, my husband has really thick copy paper. And this goes both ways. You know, we have to be humble enough ourselves to let it be known that we need help, that we're going through a rough time. We can't expect each other to just, like, read our minds. I know if we're married, we always read our husband's minds, but we can't. Just think that we can come here, sit down, and somebody knows. I mean, yes, the Holy Spirit can nudge us and and bring us to somebody, but we have to be willing to humble ourselves and to take that um, step and say, hey, I'm going through a hard time right now. I really need help. Can you pray with me? Can you sit with me? Use discretion. You know, we don't want to just go to the wrong people and have them blab. See, that's another thing. We need to be able to hold confidences with one another. But people are struggling within our body. People are struggling in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. We need to be willing to go to them, and then we need to be willing to be those who um, are going to share. And very personally, um, you know, we were we were gone from America for 19 years, and um, obviously I'm an American, and I know America, and I know what we eat, and where we shop, and I know all those things. But when we moved back, um, there was a good six months in my life that I isolated myself. You know, I um, came back right in the in the height in of COVID, and um, that made it worse. I would go to work and just come home and sit on my couch and literally cry and cry and cry. And I just couldn't get used to living back here. And then it would frustrate me because I'm an American. Why would I have such a hard time living back in America, right? But I didn't know where I fit in. I didn't know, like, 
a lot of different things that were going through my head. And then here we have, you know, lockdowns and shutdowns and this one, you know, don't see this one or don't see that one because you might contaminate them. I mean, it was just everything at once that was just so hard. And I'm usually a pretty strong person and, um, and I just found myself collapsing and, um, I would go to the grocery store and I can remember one time, um, looking at flour. (laughs) Well, we have certain flowers, you know, in Europe and they don't look like the flower in America. And I remember just standing in the aisle and I had to get a particular flower and I just started crying my eyes out because I didn't know, like I'm used to typo zero zero, you know, and, and, and here it was like self-rising wheat, da da da, gluten, all these different things. And I just wept because I was like, I don't even know how to buy flour. And so I, I went over to the butter aisle. It was Christmas. So I was (laughs) going to bake. And, um, and it's like this butter and they all have salt in them. And I'm like, we don't have salted bread in Italy, you know, or salted butter. And if it, if we do, it's really expensive. And so I lost it there and I just had to leave the store and go in my car and cry. And I got to the point where, um, I started Googling doctors online (laughs) and, um, like thinking like there was something wrong mentally, you know, and, um, like, how could I get anxiety medicine um, online without my husband knowing or without other people knowing? Because to me, uh, I'm, you know, my husband was a pastor, I was a missionary. I shouldn't be going through these emotional things. I should have the strength. And I, I, I taught the Word of God so many times that why can't I just apply it? But I just went through that period of time. I didn't do it. I just, <laughs> I Googled it and then hurried up and erased my history. Um, <laughs> but then the very next day, um, a friend came over and um, I didn't know that she was coming over. And all of a sudden, like my heart just started pouring out to her and I shared with her all these things that I was going through. And it was then, you know, after humbling myself and after um, just crying out to the Lord to help me, and not being um, like superwoman, you know, just admitting that I needed God to help me. And then he sent this precious angel to me. And it was then, you know, that God started to heal. And I had to wake up too, you know, I had to get up off the couch. And um, But this is what I mean, to be sensitive to Holy Spirit, that you know if he's called telling you, like, you get that nudge to call somebody or even just to go over to somebody's house unexpectedly. It's okay. It really is. And that person might really need you. Warren Wearsby wrote, here is one of the greatest values of the local church. We stand together in times of difficulty and encourage one another. It was when Elijah isolated himself from the other faithful Israelites that he became discouraged and wanted to quit. One reason Paul sent Timothy back to Thessaloniki was to encourage the believers. A lonely saint is very vulnerable to the attacks of Satan. We need one another in the battles of life. And so I pray, I pray with all my heart that we would take this to heart, that we really need, don't isolate yourselves because the attacks come. Be vulnerable. Ask the Lord who you can go to. And then Paul goes on to use the father figure to describe the relationship, a father who exhorts and encourages his children and urges them to walk worthy 
in, um, of God, our lifestyle, our speech, our actions, the things we write on Facebook, our responses should line up with the word of God. Paul speaks about this um, subject often in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is what God wants of us. To walk worthy of his word. To walk in love. To walk in his love. How do we conduct our lives? And not just around Christians. Not just when we walk through the um, church doors. But how are we behaving in front of non-Christians? Would they know a difference in us? In private. When no one is watching. Living and conducting our lives in a holy manner. Righteous and blameless before the Lord. Are we doing what we do? To glorify God, or are we looking for praise for ourselves? Paul finishes his letter in this chapter, once again sharing an intimate part of his heart with them, telling them how dear they are to him and how he longed to see them face to face. He's writing these letters, and these letters encourage the people, but there's that longing inside a human heart to see one another face to face. How wonderful that he could send this letter to them, and he did encourage them in their faith, to remind them to stand strong in faith in the midst of persecution that they would face. His father heart tells him that they are his joy and his crown of boasting. And I thought about, you know, on Sundays sometimes Pastor Rob will will just speak out to the congregation and say, you know, I love you guys. He boasts. And we are the joy in this church for our pastor. He thanks us for our devotion to study the word of God, to be faithful, to be a part of the work that God is doing, not only here locally, but often how he shares that what we give is used globally too, all over the world. And so in closing, I pray that we would be diligent in our Christian walks, that we'll be those that are willing to share the truth of the word of God without hesitation when he's calling us that, that we would love and we wouldn't quit when we face opposition in life, that we would be reminded, as Paul reminded the Galatians in um, chapter 6, verse 9, let's not um, get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Let's be a friend to one another, a true friend to one another. Let's be a mentor to those who need a mentor. Take time to build one another up in the Lord, to encourage, to exhort them, to come alongside of them. And when you hit a rough patch, don't quit. Don't stop. Don't isolate yourself. Reach out. We have a responsibility to reach out to one another when we're going through rough times. How else are we going to get prayed for? You know, the battle belongs to the Lord. We need to battle together. You know, out on a, a, what do you call this? Battlefield, I guess you'd call it. Um, There's not just one person. They're all together. 
and they huddled together. And I think God is calling us to huddle back together. Because you know what? The times are going to get rougher. The persecution is only going to get worse. You know, if you have children in the school, you need wisdom. You need help. That's why we have. I love how we have so many different resources here. We have different groups. We have mom's groups. We have praying groups. One-on-one discipleship. Whatever you need, it's available. Just take the step to go or take the step to sign up to volunteer. Reach out to people. May we live out what we believe and be an example to those who are around us of what being a Christian is really all about. And may all that we do and say bring glory and honor to the Lord. I like this um, Keith Green song, Oh Lord, You're Beautiful. And you know there's an original version. It's on YouTube, and I, I found it years ago, and I like that version way better um, than the popular version. So go on YouTube Go to Keith Green, original, Oh Lord, You're Beautiful. Um, this is from both versions, but he says in this song, um, I wish I was a singer so I could sing it to you. Um, I want to take your word and shine it all around. But first, help me just to live it, Lord. And when I'm doing well, help me to never seek a crown, for my reward is giving all glory unto you. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the privilege that we have, God, to to be your daughters. Lord, and how you love us. Lord, how you love us so much that you don't want to keep us the way that we are, Lord. You want to challenge us and you want to use us to take your word, Lord, and, and bring it to those all around us, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, Lord. And we just pray that you would help us to walk in boldness, God, to walk in the power of your might and not our own, Lord. We pray that you would um, just speak to us. I pray, Lord, for um, just a fresh feeling for all of us of your Holy Spirit, Lord, right now where we are, Lord, to those who are hurting, to those who feel like they just come here and they sit and they're by themselves and they they do what they're supposed to do, but inside there's a longing and a craving for more. There's a desire for a friend that comes alongside of them. And I pray, Lord, that, Lord, you wouldn't just... Give them that boldness to reach out to somebody today, to let somebody know that they're hurting, that they need prayer, that they need a friend, Lord, that they need a a cup of coffee with somebody. And I pray, God, that you, Lord, just challenge us to be those friends, that we would go outside of our comfort zone, that we would go outside of our tiredness and all the other things that distract us. Lord, help us to get up off the couch and to get in our car and to drive and and to be a friend to somebody that needs a friend. Help us to be those women, God, that are encouraging, that are exhorting one another to follow you, Lord, with all of our hearts. Lord, who are we if we don't have you in our life? And Lord, help us to lead that example of loving, 
of preaching your word and not being afraid of persecution or opposition. Lord, would you fill us afresh with your spirit to embolden us and to empower us to do what it is that you're calling us to do. Lord, both individually and then corporately, Lord, may we be known here as a church that just stands for the truth, that doesn't seek to use flattery or any other means to bring people to Christ, but just your word, Lord, that we would um, be a vessel of honor, Lord, that we would be those who love, who love all, Lord, not just our friends and those we need to love, but those that we deem unworthy because you see them, Lord, as a child that needs you. And so I pray that you would give us that boldness that we need in our lives, Lord, not determination in ourselves, not seeking the things that we want to seek, but that we would really surrender our lives. We really surrender our wants to you so that we would be a vessel that you can use, Lord, to reach this world, to reach one another. Help us to be sensitive to your spirit, God. Fill us with everything that we need to do your work, Lord. May we bring glory and honor to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.